Hi, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. James Shepherd, who is an associate professor at the Nuffield Department of Primary Care Health Sciences at the University of Oxford. We're going to discuss a paper that he and his team wrote titled Predicting the Risk of Acute Kidney Injury, Derivation and Validation of Stratify AKI. So thank you, James, for joining us here today. You highlight two common issues in primary care in this paper, that is prescribing antihypertensive medications and acute kidney injury or AKI. We often think about the benefits of these treatments, but less so the harms. So can you talk us through the main aims of this paper? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this piece of work came out of um, some related work that we've been doing around management of hypertension in older people. And um, we became interested in the idea that obviously as you get older, you're more predisposed to cardiovascular disease um, and your risk increases. And so the benefits of taking drugs like blood pressure lowering drugs increase so you get better bang for your buck, so to speak. Um, But actually in older people also, the risk of adverse events also increases. And there's a huge uh, amount of work that's been done looking at the extent to which older people benefit from blood pressure lowering treatments, uh, but much less focus of research on the extent to which people suffer adverse events. And so we were doing a piece of work looking at what happens when you stop someone's blood pressure lowering drug um, in a in a randomized controlled trial. And one of the criteria that we asked GPs to um, think about when they were enrolling patients into the trial was whether they were likely to benefit from a de-prescribing type of intervention. And a lot of GPs said to us, how, how can we know if someone's going to benefit from stopping a blood pressure drug? What makes them at high risk? And actually, that was a good question to ask us, not one that we could immediately answer. So we wanted to do some work looking at whether we could get a better grasp of what someone's um, baseline risk of an adverse event might be. So potentially um, working towards a situation where you could identify someone was a, someone who was at high risk of harm um, and who could potentially benefit from changes in their blood pressure lowering management. So this study set out to focus on a, a specific harm associated with blood pressure lowering treatment, and that was acute kidney injury we felt was an important one to focus on. And the aim of the study was to gather data from that had been routinely collected in primary care and build a prediction model which would identify someone risk, someone's risk of acute kidney injury um, at one year, five years, and 10 years into the future. Okay, yeah. So this was a study using the Clinical Practice Research Data Link, or the CPRD. And can you just right. briefly summarise what you did here and how you developed this model? Yeah, so uh, the CPRD actually comes in two flavours. So it's um, it's related to the uh, electronic health record system that the data are derived from. So we took um, practices from CPRD Gold and we extracted a population of patients who were over the age of 40 um, and who had a raised blood pressure. And we define that as a systolic above 130. And the reason for doing that was to identify a population who might be indicated for antihypertensive treatment. Um, And then we um, extracted what we thought might be risk factors for acute kidney injury from that population. And we developed a prediction model, which would allow us to estimate someone's risk of 
um, acute kidney injury. And we've, we're talking about serious acute kidney injury here. So um, things that relate uh, end up in hospitalization or death with a primary diagnosis of AKI. Um, and we looked up to 10 years into the future um, for these patients. And then once we once we had developed our model, we then used data from the second flavor of CPRD, the CPRD Aurum, to validate that model. So typically when you develop a prediction model, best practice is to develop it in one data set and then look to see how well the model performs in a completely separate data set. And if you can show it performs well, then you've got much better confidence that when you go and use the model in the real world, um, it will actually perform as well as you think it would. So the second part of the study was to do this validation. Yeah, so this helped you develop a model that had 27 variables that predicted Mm -hmm. an increasing risk of acute kidney injury. So talk us through the model. Um, What sort of things were included here? So we um, looked at various predictors. So uh, things relate to patients' characteristics, so their age, sex, uh, body mass index, their ethnicity, whether they smoke or um, have a high alcohol consumption. Um, we also looked at things like blood pressure, so systolic and diastolic, blood pressure and cholesterol. And then we also um, focused on some specific um, risk factors in the medical history. So being AKI, obviously, if they've got a history of um, chronic kidney disease, that potentially could be an important risk factor. Um, other things such as diabetes, atrial fibrillation were also ended up being significant predictors. And then the final thing, which actually um, is un- was unusual for previous models that have been developed for AKI, we included quite a few different medications as potential risk factors. So we included all different antihypertensives, as well as opioids, benzodiazepines, uh, antidepressants, and then various medications that have high anticholinergic uh, properties. So quite a few different individual characteristics went into this model. And how did you define a threshold for a high risk for developing AKI? In this model, you get for every risk factor that you include, you get um, something called a subhazard ratio. Um, and that tells you the risk, the individual risk associated with that risk factor for future AKI. Um, and then the combination of all of those risk factors you get from the model is a predicted probability. And that's the overall risk taking into account all of these risk factors. What is the likelihood of someone having a um, an event in the next 10 years? And um, for that, you can set a threshold of, um, I'm going to say that 10% is high risk, I'm going to say that 20% is high risk. Actually, that kind of definition of a threshold is relatively arbitrary. And usually in clinical practice, NICE will um, define what that threshold is based on health economic analyses and um, cost effectiveness. effectiveness. We chose a 10% threshold to define high risk patients simply because that's what the equivalent threshold for cardiovascular disease is currently for treating patients So yeah, that's interesting. I think thinking about those thresholds, and I agree that sometimes it does seem that the nice thresholds, for instance, using Q-risk do seem not arbitrary, but um, have certainly been a bit uh, variable in the last few years. Yeah, there's lots of discussion about them, isn't there? I mean, they're often controversial, particularly if they're lowered to increase the number of people eligible for treatment. That's often um, seen as a kind of well, certainly generates a lot of discussion in the scientific community. Mm, Absolutely. So, say. Uh, you're sitting in general practice, you have this tool to hand. What 
do you expect or how do you picture this tool, the Stratify AKI tool being used in practice? And how do you think GPs will be able to use this in the future? Yeah, so it's interesting, actually. So when I started, when we started this work, the idea was to say, we'll look at people's risk of AKI and we'll also look at people's risk of cardiovascular disease using existing tools like QRISC. And that will enable you to identify people who are at high risk of an adverse event, but at low risk of um, cardiovascular disease. And those people you might want to intervene on and consider deprescribing um, antihypertensive therapy. What we actually found in this study was that the, the correlation between those two risks was quite linear. And so people who are at high risk of AKI were also at high risk of cardiovascular disease and people who are at low risk of AKI were also at low risk of cardiovascular disease. Um, and actually only a very tiny proportion of the population had a high risk of AKI but a low risk of cardiovascular disease. I think it was something like 0.13% of the population uh, fell into that group. And so actually in clinical practice, I would say one of the biggest uses for this tool would be to reassure patients that actually they can take more, uh, they can uptitrate antihypertensive therapy or they can start antihypertensive therapy and they don't need to, for the most part, be worried about the risk of this particular side effect because it is only likely to affect a very small percentage of the population. And even if you are at high risk of AKI, the benefit that you get from being um, also at high risk of cardiovascular disease probably outweighs any need to modify your treatment. Um, I suppose where it could be useful is that in general practice, there's been increasing um, monitoring of kidney function and you now get uh, AKI alerts when you do a kidney function test. And sometimes sometimes those are useful and indicate someone who is about to end up having a serious event, but sometimes they might be completely meaningless. And this tool could allow you to identify people who are at high risk of AKI for whom that sort of more uh, intensive monitoring actually is a useful exercise and you might take more notice of those AKI alerts when they come up. Yeah, so is the plan to try to incorporate this into general practice computer systems as an automated alert or how do you see this being implemented? Yeah, so I mean, as we've sort of already discussed, the model is quite complicated. There's 27 predictors. We don't really expect GPs to kind of be tapping away, um, inputting all of the information into um into a calculator and working it out, working it out themselves. Um, so the ideal would be to integrate it um, into the electronic health record system in the same way that um, things like QRISC have been done, um, so that you could get a kind of both benefit and harm estimate. Um, the other thing is that obviously AKI is only one of a number of different adverse events that you might expect a patient potentially to experience as a result of taking blood pressure lowering therapy. So we've also developed models alongside this for other outcomes such as falls, syncope, um, fracture, and we're in the process of doing um, one looking at electrolyte abnormalities. So actually, uh, I think the ideal would be to have a kind of um, multi-dimensional tool which looks at all of these different outcomes. Mm, yeah, I suppose that was going to be my next question really was thinking about deprescribing conversations and the potential additional risks of blood pressure medications in an elderly cohort perhaps mm-hmm. um, and balancing the different risks as well as patient preference. Um, some patients may prefer to stay on preventative therapy and some patients might think actually I don't want to take that risk. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, I mean, it's why why I do the research I do, actually, because it's a fascinating uh, conundrum in some respects. What should you do? And I don't, I think you're right. I don't think um, there is a one size fits all for, for this kind of problem. I think some patients, as you say, will be quite happy to take the risk of uh, continuing a medication or stopping a medication. But the problem at the moment is we don't have good data on A, what the risks are, and B, what would happen if you did stop a medication. And so part of the value of this study is it, it gives us information about what an individual's risk is to begin with. Um, and I think having having that, that that information available for GPs to be able to have more informed conversations will hopefully help doctors and patients make better decisions. Well, yeah, no, I just wanted to say thank you very much for your time here. It's been really interesting hearing about this and we'll look forward to hearing much more about this area of research, which is in such a common area of practice. But as you say, sometimes we don't really have the background or research to really back up some of the decisions we're making or thinking about in these older populations. So thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for uh, inviting me. And thank you all very much for listening today to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found on bjgplife.com. Sorry for my croaky voice today. I hope that things will recover and I'll be in a bit better state next time we do one of these podcast recordings. Thanks again for listening and bye. Bye.